first service, Pastor Dan said something that I thought was very apropos for today. He said, not only that we've been delivered from tyranny of the British rule, but we were delivered also through Jesus Christ, through the tyranny of sin. And I want to go a little bit farther with the uh, series that we have been in for quite a few weeks, talking about crossing into covenant thinking. We, we've been delivered from the tyranny of fear. Fear has been the main tool that the enemy has used to bring confusion in sons and daughters of God. We're talking about discovering God, and when you discover God, you will discover a God that is loving and caring. Jesus came and he literally was transforming the thinking of all of God's people from old covenant thinking to new covenant thinking. Jesus said, I did not come to remove or to destroy the law. He said, I came to fulfill it. When he went to the cross, he shed his blood and he bought back us. He was our redeemer. When he shed that blood, he redeemed us, watch this, from the curse of the law. The law was set, as we have found out in this series, not to demean you, not to order you around, but to show you a need for a savior. We called the 10 commandments in this series the tender commandments because we found that the first four were to protect the relationship that we have with God. The last six of the 10 is to help us protect our relationships with one another. According to the word of God, as we have professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we have been delivered from anything that would point your, their finger at you and say guilty. No longer you are condemned to the death of sin, but you now are brought into salvation. Some of you have walked in here and you're tired because of all the the graduations and the parties and the celebrations of July 4th. Some of you have come in and you might even be hungover. That's okay, I don't point my finger at you. But I'm saying to you, you are here and the Lord wants to speak to you. I have a word for you from the word of God, basically from the Lord. And here's the word. If you are here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, I'm gonna ask you, to sit through the whole conversation that we have. And yeah, basically it's a one way. It's from me. But I want you to sit here and I want you to listen to the heart of God. I want you to begin to see how Jesus came and said, I want you to think new covenant thinking. And this new thinking is this, that God the Father sent his son to die, shed his blood, to buy you back. No longer the enemy can say guilty. Jesus took our sins upon him. And today, you have a choice to receive Christ. 
And when you receive Christ, the Bible says, old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new in your spirit. As those who have been with me for many years, you know my old statement is this. If you were a nerd before you were born again, right after you're born again, you're a born again nerd. What we're talking about is a spiritual thing. That in the spirit, that Jesus Christ defeated the works of the enemy. In the flesh, we have choices. We have experienced all the things of our past. We've experienced all the hurt, all the battles, all the confusion. And then watch this. As we've been in this series, we talked about how the word says that you were created in the image and the likeness of God. The image and the likeness of God. You were created like him, and then you have the ability to walk like him. No, you don't turn into God. You walk like him. Now, in that process, the enemy knows that. And the enemy has come in, and he's trying to uh, confuse you into the reality of who God is and who you are. So let's continue in this, and let's read again from Exodus 32. Remember, the background of that is that Moses goes into Mount Sinai, and Moses spends a long time in Mount Sinai, and they begin to, listen to the word, they begin to fear. What happened to Moses? What's going to happen to us? And so they, the background is a golden calf. Israel's mistakes are not because they do not love God either. <clears throat> a lot of times, as Pastor Dan again said, and also the songs that were sung, by the way, the worship teams uh, just connected with us with, with the songs that they put together. And I just, I just want to just give a little shout out to the worship team for what they do and how they hear the voice of God. But here's, here's what I want you to begin right at the very beginning. I want you to just say, this is how I'm going to think, at least for the next 35 minutes. Here it is. Is that in the mistakes that you have made in the past, situations you've done in the past, I'm not trying to take fault away from decisions that we've made, but I want to tell you that the, the ploy of the enemy is to bring fear in your life and you make decisions based upon that fear. Or, watch this, you make decisions based upon a wrong image of who God is, which then produces fear. And because of that, it's not because you don't want to do good. It's not because you don't want to do the right thing. It's not because, you know, you, you, know, you just decided, well, you know what, this coming week, I'm just going to go mess up my life. No, that's... The reality is, is no, people aren't that way. You are not that way. I believe you believe in God. I believe that you have such a heart for the things of the Lord. I believe that you want to do the things of the Lord. But fear steps in, and if we don't recognize us, recognize it, it brings wrong image, and it brings hurt and a passion for something that is not God's passion. So let's break this now. Let's Let's transform into this new covenant thinking. Let's do what, what Jesus, let's do what the prophets tried to do. Let's do what Jesus tried to do. Let's do, do what the apostles tried to do, is to change our thinking into who this amazing God really is. 
And so the reason their image of God is faulty is bottom line because of their past and their understanding of really who God is. When you discover, discover God in his true form, your decisions and thinking then will be based on who he really is, and it will not be based upon fear. So Moses goes up into Mount Sinai to know God and then to receive the Ten Commandments. My opinion here is the reason why he was there so long is because, listen very closely, in discovering God, there is so much to know that we don't know. It takes time to know all that God is. In Exodus 32, let's read this. It says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron, and he received the gold from their hand. Speaks of their action. How they think, how they're thinking is what they're doing, all right? And he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Such foolishness, that statement. Because isn't this the, the people of Israel that saw the 10 miracles? Isn't this the Israel that saw the Red Sea parted? Isn't this Israel that had manna? Isn't this Israel that all these miracles that happened? And for them to say, this is the God, the golden calf, this is the God that delivered you out of the land of Egypt. They made the calf because you naturally worship what you fear the most. So they made a cow because they were afraid of starving in the desert. They were in a place in their life, they looked, there was no food and there was no water. There are times in your life you are in a place where something that is desperately needed is not there. You cannot see how you're going to get it. So what rises up is fear. A calf didn't surprise them either due to their captivity in Egypt because, again, they worshiped ten gods that brought fear in their lives. Your past, the things that you faced in your past, wrong image, because remember we talked about the purpose of parenting, is that God said be fruitful and multiply and, and parents are to express and teach and acknowledge the image of God to their children. But some of us may have had parents that weren't bad people, but they, they presented a bad image of God. They were religious. Maybe they went to church all the time. But there wasn't this relationship that God is desirous of us to have. When you discover God, what you're going to discover is a God that just wants to be with you. A God that just wants to talk with you. He wants to listen to you. Now, let me just say this to you. We're creating his image and likeness. How many of you like to listen to griping all the time? God doesn't want to hear griping either all the time. He said, cast your cares on him. 
but he doesn't want to listen to griping all the time. What he wants to do is he wants to hear your love for him. He wants to hear your desire to, to be like him, and he will show you and help you through the situation. And what we have, have understood, that that is expressed through worship. So fear can bring you into bondage if you allow it to. Worship of God, which comes by discovering who he really is, is the tool that will deliver you from fear. So let's talk a little bit more about the power of fear. Remember, we, we shared with you, because of time, we won't read the scripture. It's in Exodus 24. You, you'll see it on the screen. But Moses and Aaron, his sons, and the 70 elders saw God. They actually had dinner with God. And I know scripture says, if you look upon God, you will die. Well, they did. If you read that scripture, we read it last week. God's covenant is about relationship with him and one another. God's desire is to have relationship with you. God's desire is for you to have relationship with one another. Look at Matthew 22. Remember the lawyer came, that the one that judicated the law, you know, at the time? And in Matthew 22, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is a first and great commandment. Love God, have relationship with God. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And by the way, the word neighbor translated there in the Greek is not talking about the guy living next door to you. Could be, but it's not talking about the guy living next door. The word neighbor is actually talking about one that believes like you do your brothers and sisters in the Lord. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, everything will come to pass that God's promised if you will love God, have a relationship with him, and you will love one another. So discovering God is to bring such an awe and trust in him. See, we're talking about fear. There's a difference of the one fear that's, that's you're scary, that, that it makes you obsessive, it makes you do things you don't want to do, or the fear of fearing God, and that is, uh, you know, a, a total awe and trust in Him. Any fear which is a spirit, the scary kind, will not overwhelm you because you see truly God's character and His deliverance. So let's continue. They saw God, but still had a wrong image of him and of themselves, so they lived in fear. So how can we point our finger at, a, at a, our neighbor, a brother or sister, when we actually read in Scripture that these guys had dinner with God and still lived in fear? I mean... Let's think about it. On Tuesday, we're celebrating July 4th, okay? A lot of us are going to have barbecues and all the different things. We're going to hang out with our buddies and all that. Can you imagine July 4th, God says, hey, you've had barbecues with that part of your family all your life. I want you to come have dinner with me. Can you just imagine that? Wow. Okay, what are we having, God? It's a surprise. Manna, I guess, I don't know, whatever. And so you have dinner with him. The next day, you still live the same. I can't, I don't understand that. I really don't. 
How can you be with God, see God, have dinner with God, and the next day still live the same way? See, the difference is fear is a spirit. And it has no control over you unless you allow it to. But when you allow it to, it'll actually cause you, even though you see God, not really to see him. It'll actually cause you, even though you know God, you really don't know him. Because this fear, your past, your hurts, the difficulties of life have just so overwhelmed you that you cannot get past the flesh aspect of your life. So many today, we live in fear and wrong image and have not discovered God in his truest form and character. But when I'm saying that, you need to really hear me. Some of you are are visiting here today and I, I see you. And I recognize you and thank you for being here. But I want you to understand the definition of worship. It is what you trust the most to deliver you and is in everything your source of hope. So we we covered in this series uh, the, the three, or named to you, the three greatest fears. And last week we covered the first one, which is fear of rejection. Today we want to talk about fear of failure. And then the following week we're going to talk about fear of death. And when we described the rejection, um, we, we literally talked about how that if you are afraid of rejection, then you worship the acceptance of people. So let's now talk about the second fear. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, it says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, speaking of Jesus dying on the cross, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Again, Scripture tells us over and over and over, because if we allow fear to rule us, we're in bondage. The Bible tells us this new covenant that was made by the shed blood of Jesus He took the form of humanity, he lived and died on our behalf to what? Liberate us from the bondage we had to Satan. You're free, church. If you've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, you are free from the bondage of that sin. Being delivered from these three uh, fears puts us into the kingdom of God thinking or, as we've been saying, covenant thinking. So when you discover God, it begins a new realm of fear. The new realm of fear is described as an awe, where you fear God. The Bible says to fear God. Fear only God. It's talking about an awe of God. It means a tremendous respect for God. It's not something that you're standing there and you're shaking and, and oh, I don't know what God's going to do. Yes, you do. The Word tells you what God is going to do. And if you discover God, you will know already what he's already said he's going to do. And when, the, when the, your past, people tell you, well, you just don't know what God's going to do. Those are people that don't read the word of God. Well, you know God. Do you? Because he will do, really? Where do you find that in scripture? I don't know, but I've heard that all my life. 
bad image. Amen? I know some of this is so simplistic, but we have to keep it simple. So fear of rejection is now no longer a bondage in your life because of last week. How quick could that happen? Because you've really understood this is a spirit that wants to destroy your life. You now, by discovering God, are overwhelmed by his love for you. You no longer need the acceptance of men and are driven to worship your true God. No more false image or thoughts of who God is and who you are. Let me just, let me just tell you, um, being 59 years old, you have uh, a lot of years to look back on. And I look back on when I first confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. It was uh, a few months after I graduated from high school. And when I was in high school, I had a lot of friends. When I was in high school, there was a lot of popularity. When I was in high school, I accomplished a lot of things through sports. When I was in high school, I had scouts coming to our baseball games. All these different things were there. And the first thing that the Lord, first time that I really felt the Lord saying something to me. How many of you have been like this? You know, I've gone to church a long time, but I've never heard God talk to me. Well, this is kind of the first time I really, I was 10 years old, first time I heard, basically the second time, I really knew it was God speaking to me. That God says, I'm gonna do some new things in your life. And so what you need to do is choose today to begin walking in that new life. And part of that was to totally change my lifestyle, totally change uh, my friends. I had a lot of friends. And I want to tell you, I graduated 42 years ago from high school. Gee. <laughs> Sound like my dad and mom right now. For, 42 years ago. And only one time I've seen one of my friends. Now, of course, I moved from Michigan to California. But the reality is, is what God said, he says, he says, I'm not asking you to remove yourself from your friends because they're bad people. I'm asking you because I'm going to do something new in you. And so I did that. All the friends before I was saved was based upon a false image of God and friends. The Lord says, love the, the God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and one that is like it is, is love your neighbor, love your brothers and sisters, those who are born again with you. And what God was saying, I want to do something new so that you can touch other lives. So today, this morning, starting at 4.30 this morning, from the East Coast, they still forget it's three hours difference. But I was receiving text messages from friends all around the country. Arkansas, you know, Florida, Michigan, North Carolina, all that. And just saying, I'm praying for you, Pastor. Love you, Pastor. Love you, my brother. You know, all the different things like that. I have covenant friends that I would never change. 
because I was obedient to the Lord, I was able to follow the very things God called me to do. And he has set it up to where I have some amazing covenant friends and I can wave out here and that's you too. I was telling some folks yesterday that uh, at a funeral that I am the happiest I've ever been. And I've been happy, folks. I haven't had a sad life. Have I had tragedies in my life? Absolutely. Father died young. My sister died young. Tragedies, things, hard things. Yes, absolutely. Have I had rejection, people reject? Yeah, absolutely. But I've had a happy life, but today I am the happiest I've ever been because I have the privilege of being your pastor. I have the privilege. I, I walk in this place all the time, and I just am so thrilled. I get to spend time with you. Even if it's just me standing up here to some of you, and then you come, and then you go, and you're involved, and I see you, and I, I hug you, or shake your hand, or whatever. The point is, is God set it up right. And if you will understand this, you will really grab a hold of God's truth. People who live in fear are always looking for something new and different. People who live in fear are never happy where they're at. They're always looking for some great thing, you know, winning the lottery or whatever. So we have to understand that God set it up. So here's the second greatest fear, the fear of failure. All of us, no matter how spiritual you are, all of us fear failure to some degree because it's a spirit that doesn't give up. I didn't say it's climbed over you, it's, it's possessed you. I said every single day there is a spirit of, of fear, failure, that is trying to get you to make decisions that are not based upon your fear of the Lord. That's not based on God. To some in this house right now, your primary fear is fear of failure. You still, maybe after quite a few years, don't know what you're supposed to do. You still, after a few failures of, of jobs or whatever, or of marriage or whatever it may be, right now you're sitting there and you are just so concerned about failure. And I want to tell you, that is a spirit you've been delivered from. Let me help you get through it and get past it and fear the Lord. So when you fear failure the most, you then worship success. Everything about a believer is worshiping God. Everything that you do in life is about worship. It always has worship connected to it. Always have, because worship is a connection of, of, of relationship and love and awe and honor. When you do that with God, you also do that with one another. There is no place in the word of God that says that we're supposed to dishonor one another. No place in the word of God that says that we're to gossip about one another. Or we're to point our fingers and say, you know, I'm better than you, or look what you're doing, and, and, and pointing fingers and condemning one another. The Word of God says, if you have covenant thinking, that your passion when you drive into the parking lot, when I drive into the parking lot, is to come in here and look and see amazing people and honor them. 
And it really, you know, in church, it's not really about me coming to church and falling all over everybody because, you know, we're facing difficulty. The Bible says you come in the church, we'll pray with you, we'll be there, we'll, we'll grab you by the elbows and hold you up, do all the different things, and it's awesome and it's wonderful, it's spiritual, it's godly. But I want to tell you, the main goal of a believer that has covenant thinking is to come in, even though all Hades is breaking loose in your life, is to be a person that honors your brother and sister, that loves one another. Amen? All right, you got quiet there. To some, fear of failure, it's about money. To some, it might be power, it might be position. To some, it's influence. Have you known anybody that you hung out together? You guys, you're buds, you know, you're just like, hey man, let's go, yes, and you hang out together. Then all of a sudden, they get a promotion or they could, you know, you're in church and you're hanging out and all of a sudden they get a position in the church and, and as they get that position, they start going, moi, me, right? Everyone, you can laugh because you've experienced that. And you know why they do that? Fear. Fear of failure. It's not because they're bad people. Matter of fact, you hung around them. You liked them. But why are you acting that way? Because fear has overtaken them. Fear of failure. So let me give you an example. And I, I did this, I think, about eight years ago. I talked about the Kennedy family. And how many of you know that the Kennedy family had been, many of them had been under a curse? I know of one part of that family because uh, I know someone else who ministers in New York that led that part of the family, and they've been delivered from the curse. But most of the family's been under a curse. Mathematically, there is no way possible that one family would have to bear so many problems that they did. There's a book called The Kennedy Curse, and I would encourage you to read it. The Kennedy family's origin, you find, is from Ireland. The patriarch was Patrick Kennedy. And Patrick Kennedy fled Ireland to the United States to keep from going to debtor's prison. In other words, he owed everybody. He failed in everything that he did in Ireland. And so he came to America with just a few dollars in his pocket. Patrick Kennedy had a deep shame and took that shame and became fearful of failure and poverty. And because of this fear, you see in his life, and you study him, he had a maniacal drive to succeed. Maniacal means a violent behavior or, and or obsessive enthusiasm. You'll see the decisions that he makes is based upon that, that fear. Patrick was uh, obsessive, and he worked hard. There's nothing wrong with working hard. The Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. In other words, having a heart to work. But he was obsessive about that. And he made a lot of money. And he had an, a son that was named Joe. Now, Patrick preached to Joe, you will not be vulnerable. You will never face what I face. You will not 
be the way I was in Ireland. In America, you will be successful. Bottom line, he said, oh, you're worthless. Bad image. He said, you will not be broke. You will never be any man's servant. And you will have money and you will have power. So Joe turned into a megalomaniac. A megalomaniac is obsessed with his own power and has delusions of his power and his importance. Now, we're talking about the Kennedys. We're talking about millions of dollars, talking about all these different things that go on in their life. But, you know, there are a lot of people that barely have anything that are mega maniacs. And they're so obsessive and possessive about what they have that when God says something to them, they won't even receive it. So with that thought in mind, let's go on. Joe did anything to make money and have power. He was so obsessive, he became a womanizer. Every place he went, he would find women and sleep with them, even though he was married. He was a bootlegger. By the way, did you know the Kennedys made a lot of their money by being bootleggers? He broke the law and did anything he could do to get wealth. Joe amassed a fortune, and he also had many children. He had Bobby, Ted, Joe Jr., President John F. Kennedy. Joe trained all of his boys to grow up and be powerful. He took exactly what his father told him, and he began to do that with his own children. And he taught them literally to be rich, and one day you will rule the world. That's how obsessive he was. Joe couldn't be president because he compromised himself in World War II as an ambassador to England. And if you study that, you'll see the things that he said, that he was so off course of the things of the Lord. In other words, he was totally opposite of what God was saying in the day. Matter of fact, he was so obsessive about success and the way people accepted him, the way people looked at him, when he had a daughter that was born with, with a, a mental uh, deficiency, um, what took place is they, it's one of the first lobotomies that were done by doctors on Rosemary, and Rosemary was basically a vegetable from that time on. Joe decided he would try to buy the presidency for his sons, and the first choice that he had was Joe Jr., but Joe Jr. died in World War II. John became president, but was assassinated. Bobby followed after that, wanting to be president, and as he was moving towards that, he also was assassinated. Ted Kennedy, remember Chappaquiddick? Driving a car into the water, and a young lady was killed, living just like his father and grandfather. He died of cancer. John Jr. was killed in a plane crash. John Jr. was not raided in the plane he flew, but no one could tell a Kennedy what to do. They were going to do whatever they wanted to do. He got vertigo and flew straight into the water. Thinking he was going with the water, he flew straight into the water. And he and his fiancée or wife, don't remember, was killed. 
When the Bible says fear has torment, it means you are under a curse and God is against them. You see, the thing that the enemy is wanting to do is to bring fear in your life, and in that fear you make decisions against God. And when you make decisions against God, you don't receive the love and the compassion that God has, and so God is against that. That's why I'm saying to you is that when we understand this fear thing, we understand that as a spirit, that we will not see what's happened with the Kennedys in our own lives. Because the Kennedys took success and made it their God, it opened them up to a resistance because they didn't put God first. So here's my point, and follow me with this. They did good things. They took a lot of their money and they helped a lot of people. Gracious people. John F. Kennedy was a great president, made mistakes, but don't they all? Don't we all? And the reality is, I don't, you know, let me just say this, I just really feel like I need to. Let's, let's not talk politics here. Let's just talk about people. Let's just talk about people. They, they were Catholics. They loved God. They went, they went through Catholic school. They, they did everything they could, but the reality is they had a false image of God. Not because of the Catholic Church, but because of parenting that brought them a false image. And you and I have to realize that this very thing could have happened with us. When you discover this loving, gracious God, you are awed, which means fear that has great respect by his authority and love for you. You never want any resistance from him, so you worship God. Now here's a question, with all due respect, and and please, I'm not talking about look what happened to them, but I'm really telling you, look what happened to them. Look what's happened to so many people in this world because they didn't understand that there's three major fears that the enemy comes in to steal, kill, and destroy from you and your family, your children, and your children's children. And I want you to break this, if that's you. I want you to be able to take this in your family, in your home, and say no longer, and your children, and your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren will walk in worship of God. Are you with me on this? Here's a question. Where was all that Kennedy power when the bullet was heading towards President Kennedy? It couldn't stop the bullet. Where was all the influence, the money, when John Jr.'s plane was going down? Did it bring him help? You see, all this fear and this desire to to make it and to be successful and to all these different things. God says, if you follow my word and if you will do what I ask you to do, I will prosper you. 30, 60, and 100 fold. I will prosper you. Where true blessing is, is worshiping God. The word worship means worth. 
The meaning, I, I have found something worth my attention and affection. What gets most of your attention and affection? Is it acceptance? Is it power? Is it wealth? What gets your attention? Worship is that you find God. He's worth your attention and your affection every single day. I have found something worth believing in. Ladies and gentlemen, the only thing worth our worship is the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else is worth our worship. Power, money, prestige, acclaim of people. God said to me when I graduated, when I got saved, he said to me, he says, I want you to love me. I want you to worship me. I want you to make me first in your life. He said, you have had a good life. You have had people honor you. You've had all these, uh, you know, claims go on in your life. He says, now what I want you to do, I want you to live your life humbly. I want you to be able to understand that I'm number one in your life. But let me just tell you this. You're number one in my life too, he says. And what's amazing about God is every one of you are number one in his life. That's why he sent his son to die. So the conclusion, if you give something else your worship, it is because fear is ruling you. If that bill on the desk at your home right now sitting there has caused so much worry in your heart, hey, don't misunderstand. I understand that. I can remember when my kids were small in Indiana. They were both born in Indiana. They're Hoosiers. And I'm looking at my bank account. I got $460. Some of you might have less. $460 in my bank account. And that's it. We are, we are living, not eking out existence, but we're on a youth pastor's salary. And I'm telling the Lord, I said, God... I said, I'm called of God. I will do what you ask me to do. I turned down a, a minor league contract for this salary. <laughs> Amen. I got angry. I got frustrated. You know, here I'm serving you, and here if I would have gone this route, <laughs> I'd be buying a house. And so I'm talking to him, and finally I'll send him watching TV. Hmm. And on TV it comes, well, if you do this and we'll send you these tapes and everything, you can buy and sell homes and make a lot of money. And if you do this, great. But that's not what I was supposed to do. So I'm not saying that was wrong. But I'm telling you it was wrong for me because it was taking fear was causing me to take my attention off of him and what he called me to do and into trying to make enough money to bless my kids and my wife. Nothing wrong with that either. But when it's ruled by fear, there's something wrong with it. So I took $450 out of the bank account, leaving $10, and I purchased this stupid box. I talked to my wife. She said, okay, I'm with you. You know, we're all, 
I was young and dumb. She was smart and pretty, but you know, just the, the reality is I made wrong decision out of fear. The box came. And as soon as the box came, it was like a dagger hit my heart. And literally my heart had said, that is exactly opposite of what I'm asking you to do. I took that box without even opening it up, and I put it in a closet. And I had it for years in my closet. Every time I went in the closet, it reminded me, you idiot. (laughs) But I wasn't an idiot because I tried to take care of my family. I was an idiot because I allowed fear to rule me. And I made decisions based upon that fear. I finally threw it away. Thank God. But again, if you give something else your worship, it's because fear is ruling you. Let's close with with this. In Matthew 6, verse 24 through 33, it says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink. Yeah, sure. (laughs) That's easy to say. Well, listen. Nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Okay, just run around naked. No. See, when, when fear is in you, you start thinking all this crazy stuff. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into their barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? There it is. Is God of more value than anything else in your life? And you must understand, are you not of more value than anything in life, prestige, honor, whatever? Are you not more value to God? Yes, you are. Watch. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? I've always been 5'10". In the 70s, it was great because you could wear platform shoes. And I made it to six foot tall. (laughs) So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. In other words, what God does will perform way past everything else. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Then he says, oh, you have little faith. Now, when he says that, a lot of people say, okay, he's condemning. You're worthless. You're no good. No. How do you get faith? Faith comes by hearing of the word. When you hear the word of who God is, what happens? you begin to get the right image of God. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, in other words, the world's mentality, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. 
The heavenly Father knows you need all this stuff. Church, look at me. I'm just telling you. Then why do we complain? Oh, God, how come you're not? He knows. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he's already given all things that pertain unto life in this world and godliness spiritual. The Bible says to cast all your cares on him. You know what the, the cares are? They're talk to, it's talking about worries. It's not talking about, I want to go to Burger King for lunch and I don't have any money. Let me find a $5 bill on the sidewalk outside the church. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about you're living in fear. And fear is ruling you. And because fear is ruling you, what happens is you now begin to have a clouded image of who God is. We begin to blame God. We begin to put, uh, you know, every time, like the world, every time earthquake happens, act of God. Anything like that happens, act of God. Right? Always blaming God because of wrong image, because of fear. But when you live your life understanding who he is, break out of that thinking that maybe you've been taught growing up. And you know what? Your parents or grandparents probably didn't know any better either. They did what they knew. And that spirit of fear overwhelmed them. But there's something different in your life. You know who you are. You know who God is. And because you do that, you begin to rise up in the midst of even things getting worse. You say, God, forgive me for not trusting in you the most. Forgive me for worshiping my bank account. Forgive me for worshiping women or men or, or anything like that. And here's your thought. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Five plus five does not equal nine. Amen? Maybe your school teaches that. But five plus five addition means 10. God adds upon. Listen to this. God adds upon when you worship him. Watch this. And we may touch on this in a couple weeks. God multiplies when you give all that God is. Does that make sense? That's what Scripture says. You have such amazing ability. You have a call of God on your life. You have gifts. You have ability. You are gorgeous ladies. You are handsome men. You are exactly what God's called you to be. The only difference is you've been ruled by fear, if you have been. Change it. Be ruled by faith, the knowledge of who he is. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And just like it, love your neighbor 
Howdy, neighbor. Hello, neighbor. Yeah. Honor one another. That's kingdom. That's when the world says, look at the church. Look how they are. I want to be like that. And what you're telling them, we're like we are, is because we finally understand the image of God. And we worship him. We're not any better than anybody else. We just finally know who we are in Christ. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Go ahead. Give the Lord a clap. Amen. Let's all stand, please. Let's honor God and one another. In the front of this church are amazing people I love dearly. They, they do amazing stuff in their lives. They're called elders. People that I've recognized as spiritual leaders. If you are here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, we're not selling religion. Amen. We're not selling Valley Community Church. We're not selling the pastor. You don't see my name on the sign because I abhor that. We're celebrating Jesus Christ. We're not celebrating me. But if we live correctly, then we honor the office of the pastor. We honor the office of an elder. We honor the office of whatever you stand in brother, sister. Amen? If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. Okay, same thing. We're not asking you to like be zapped and God just loves you. He wants to love and have relationship with you. I look up in the back, I see all, all friends, I, you're awesome. This is what this is about. This is the church. If you're here, when we dismiss, wait a few moments, come on to the front, and you can receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're here and there's sickness or disease in your body, Lord loves you. Sickness and disease is not the plan of God. sense Lord he's just speaking to so many of you you're okay amen everyone you're okay you are you're okay if there's sin in your life confess it you're okay because it's about him let's begin to worship him let's begin to just adore the king of kings and the lord of lords and watch this. I know this sounds from a guy, but let's adore one another. You're so awesome. I'm, I, could, I could brag on so many of you because I know you really well. The things you do and who you are. This is the Lord right now. Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercession. You know what he's doing? As I'm speaking the word of God, there's profession over your life because the Father just loves you. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you. We worship you and we honor you.
Teach us worship. Teach us what it means. Teach us you. Show us who you are. Oh, dinner with the Father. How awesome that would be. Lord, you've allowed us through the Holy Spirit to know you. As we leave this place, blessings upon blessings on every home, every life. As we leave this place and we celebrate July 4th, we've been delivered from tyranny of government rule, but Lord, we know we've been delivered from the tyranny of sin. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a great hand, would you?